0: The following message is brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Uh, For those of you who have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 18. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 18, and verse number 11. Uh, In just a moment, we're going to spend some time in this particular passage. And then afterwards, I want to take a moment and just share with you three of our primary objectives for the year 2018. And I hope what this will do is allow each and every one of us to get on the same page corporately as a church family so we truly can do what the Apostle Paul talks about, and that is to strive together for the sake of the gospel. For those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text this morning. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 18, uh, for those of you with a red letter edition Bible, uh, you're going to find that our text is in red. This, this means that these were words spoken by Jesus. Here's what the Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 18, verse number 11. For the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking of himself, he says, for I am come to save that which was lost, verse 12. How think he? He's asking a rhetorical question. If a man have a hundred sheep... And one of them be gone astray. So Jesus is going to use a parable. He's going to use a story. And he's trying to apply it to something that many people in this ancient day and age would have understood. And and that's the blue-collar job of being a shepherd. And he says, "Uh, what what kind of shepherd, if if they had a hundred sheep and one of them were gone, doth not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? Verse 13. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of the sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray, even so it is, not the will of your Father which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Let's begin this service here with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God that loves people. And I pray that you would give us that same love as well, that that your heartbeat would be our heartbeat, that we would get a vision for what you have a vision for. I pray that you would bless this service. I pray that you would allow me to communicate in a way that would be effective and that would allow our hearts to align uh, with the ultimate purpose that you've given us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. Two weeks ago, we had a very special service where both of our 9:30 and 11 o'clock groups got together in a single group, and it was just a wonderful time. And uh, we had a great, great experience. At the end of that service, one of the uh, highlights was getting to see Chong get baptized, and we were excited about that. And it was a big celebration and awesome time. Anytime somebody puts their faith in Christ and and then wants to identify with Him in believer's baptism is really the thing that just gets me more excited than about anything else. And, and it just, it thrilled my heart. Well, later I was told the story that uh, you got together with some of your friends and you went to an event here in Fresno. And uh, while Chong was there, she ran into an acquaintance. And uh, this particular acquaintance, they started talking a little bit. It been a while since uh, she had seen him. And, and through the course of the conversation, she was so excited. She told him, hey, I got, I got baptized a couple hours ago. And, and uh, she was really excited about that. And, and through the conversation, just literally hours after she had been baptized, she invited this guy to come and be a guest with her. To church. Well, she told me later she kind of forgot about it, and then last Sunday morning she walks in, and that guy she had invited to church was there sitting right next to her on the front row uh, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason I share that story with you is simply this. It's, it's whenever we have been touched by the good news of the gospel, when we have been authentically touched by the Uh, good news of the gospel, there is something in us that desires to share the love of Christ, to share the joy that only He can give, to pass along that love to anybody that we come in contact with. Uh, It's been said this way, that God reaches people who need Him through people who know Him. I read the statistic this week that the average human being will engage three people every day. So if you're a normal, typical American, then over the course of 24 hours, uh, either at a restaurant, you know, uh, as a cashier, maybe at a grocery store, or or maybe just as you're walking your dog in the neighborhood, that the average person over the course of 24 hours is going to engage three individuals in a 24-hour period. Now, if you extrapolate that over the course of the average person's life, that means that you, as just a typical American human being, you are going to touch, you are going to engage 80,000 people over the course of your life. Now, let that sink in for a moment. 80,000 people, that's like like filling up a, a football stadium full of people. That is how many people you will interact with Over the course of your life that is how many people that you will engage over the next 35 40 50 years and the question i have for you especially as believers for those of you who call yourself a part of the church what are you doing with these opportunities that the lord has given you how do you use the opportunities that you have when you meet with somebody are you engaged with somebody or you interact with somebody? That's a little bit of what we're going to find in this passage. I, I want you to see here, I want to talk just a little bit about how, how God's heart is toward those who are lost. I want you to see, first of all, if you're taking notes or you're trying to figure out kind of where we're going, I want you to see, first of all, in this verse, you're going to see the value of one, the value of one. Notice what it says here in verse number 12. He says, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? So Jesus is using the story, the parable of a shepherd with a hundred sheep. And he says here he counts and he's one, two, three, four. And he's looking over and he all of a sudden, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, and he thinks, oh, I must have counted wrong. And so he starts all over. One, two, three, ninety, ninety-eight. Sure enough, one's missing. So Jesus says, this shepherd, he, he leaves the ninety-nine that are safe. He leaves the ninety-nine that are okay. He leaves the ninety-nine that are together. And he says he goes into the wilderness. He, he goes to where maybe it's a little dangerous. He, he goes to where it's a little bit dark. He goes to where it's a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because he knows the value of one. I want to declare to you this morning that as a church, we must always keep the emphasis on the individual. That at the end of the day, it's not about crowds. That at the end of the day, it's not about filling up a building. That at the end of the day, it's not to see how many people we can stuff into the room. At the end of the day, Christianity is all about the individual. It's always about the one. The one that needs the love of God. The one that needs the joy that only He provides. The one that gives a peace that passeth understanding. At the end of the day, we must be a church that is always focused on the one. You see, there'll always be one that need the love of God. There will always be that one single mom that's feeling stressed out and overwhelmed and wondering how she's going to raise the family all by herself. There's always going to be that one. There's always going to be that guy who feels like he's totally failed as a husband, that he feels like he's made too many mistakes, like he's done too many wrong things, like it's too late for him. There will always be that one. There will always be that one teenager who feels like he's just uh, confused, doesn't, doesn't know what their future holds, wondering you know, how their life is going to come together, trying to figure it all out. There will always be those individual ones. And, and I want to say to you today that the heart of God is always focused on that one. And as a church family, we can't ever lose sight of the one. Back when we were meeting in that little chapel that held 50 or 60 people, you know, at the end of the day, it was all about one individual, all about trying to reach one with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes, we moved into a larger facility, but it wasn't to gather crowds. It's so we could reach more individuals, more ones. Yes, we go to double services and now there's a service at 9.30 and a service at 11, but I want to say to you that the heart behind that is always about the individual. It's about the single mom. It's about the teenager that feels lost and confused. It's it's about the guy that feels like his addiction's too strong, the chains are too intense and that it's too late for him. At the end of the day, the heart of God is always about individuals. It's always about one and you and I have to stay focused and burdened and passionate about the ones that need the love of Jesus it's always about one and maybe you're sitting here today and you came into church you don't even know why you're here somebody invited you you heard about it and I want to say to you and you maybe you're here and you're thinking it is way too late for me I have wandered away from God I've gotten myself into some precarious situations I feel like I'm all alone I feel like I've moved too far from God and He wants nothing to do with me. And yet I want to declare to you based on the authority of the Word of God, you have a God whose heart is for you. And even when you've wandered away, you have a heavenly father. You have a a shepherd that adores you, that's chasing you, that desires you. And no matter how far you run, no no matter how far you wander, you have a God that is going to keep searching, that is going to keep chasing until he captures your heart with his grand and gracious love. That's the heart of God. He values the one and you might be sitting here. You might feel all alone. You, yes, you're in a crowd, but you feel like nobody gets you. you. You feel like nobody understands what you're going through. You feel like you're the you're the like you have nobody. But I want to say to you today that you have a heavenly Father that desires a deep abiding relationship with you that can bring fulfillment and satisfaction and contentment like no other relationship can provide because you have a heavenly father that values one you see there are several reasons why something is valuable i'm going to share a few of them and then i'm going to go back and uh kind of extrapolate i'll unpack it a little bit so let me give you the four reasons and then we'll kind of preach through them real quick The reason things are valuable is because of who created it, because of its potential, because of its durability, and because of its desirability, all right? These are elements that make something valuable. So let me go back and let's take a moment to talk about them. Number one, something is valuable because of who created it, and people are also valuable because of who created it. There are certain paintings that are more valuable based on who painted the paintings, if I were to stand up and I were to draw a picture on a canvas, it wouldn't be worth very much. But if you take somebody like a, a Van Gogh or a Thomas Kincaid, if you take them and they paint something, it's more valuable than if Josh Ermler paints it. Why? Because of who created it. And I want to say to you, the reason you're valuable is because of who created you. You were created by Almighty God. The creator and sustainer of the universe breathed life into humanity and gave you life. You are valuable because of who created you. But you're not just valuable because of who created you. You're valuable because of your potential You see, the more potential something has of creating value, the more potential a thing has to have future purpose, the more valuable it becomes. And in much the same way, the reason you have value and the reason individual people have value is because of their potential. And you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, man, I don't have any potential. I don't even know what the purpose of my life is. I don't even know what I'm doing in church. I, I, I don't got nothing figured out. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to you know, keep one foot in front of the other. You know, I'm just trying to just survive this thing. And yet I want to say to you, that might be how you feel, but I want to declare to you that God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan, and he's got great dreams for you, even if you find yourself in a moment confused by what they might be you have potential. You have purpose. You might not know it yet. You might not have discovered it yet, but based on the authority of the Word of God, you are valuable because of your potential. I want you to say, thirdly, something is valuable because it's of its durability. You see, the longer something lasts, the more valuable it tends to be. If something is just going to last for a moment, it doesn't tend to cost as much. But if it's going to last five years or ten years or twenty years, the longer something lasts, the more valuable it tends to be. The truth is this. Your soul is eternal. You will live somewhere forever. And that fact makes you valuable. The durability of your life makes you valuable. Your soul is going to spend somewhere forever. If you're sitting here today and and you don't know where you're going to spend your eternity. If you don't know what it means to have a relationship with God through His Son Jesus Christ. To put your faith in Him and, and have the hope of eternity with God. You can have that hope. It's found in the promise of the Word of God. Your soul is durable. You're valuable because who created. You're valuable because of potential. You're valuable because of durability. I want to say lastly, you're valuable because of your desirability. People are valuable because of their desirability. And I know for maybe a couple of you here, you might feel like nobody cares about me. I thought I had some friends, but maybe I don't. I thought my parents cared about me. I, I, I thought I had that spouse that was always going to be there for me until they weren't. And you feel alone. You feel neglected. And some of you even maybe even feel betrayed. And you're like, nobody, nobody desires me. And maybe some of you, you feel like you're broken. Like you've made too many mistakes. Like you've messed up too many times. Like it's too far gone for you. And yet I want to say to you today, you are desired by God. You say, I, I feel like a piece of trash. I feel, like, I feel like I'm just left with junk. You ever heard that phrase before? One man's junk is another man's You might be junk to your family. And you might be, you might feel like you're junk at your workplace. You might feel like you're junk to those around you, like they don't care about you, you feel worth I want to say to you today this. You're God's treasure. In fact, you were so valuable to him, he was willing to send his very own son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. To be beaten, to be mocked, and to be murdered. So he can enjoy a relationship with you. That is how valuable you are to your heavenly father. You see in this passage, the reason the father, the reason the shepherd was willing to leave the 99 and go after the one is because the one is always valuable. Whether the one is living in some mansion or whether the one is homeless on the streets, that one is important to God. Whether that one has a high socioeconomic status or whether that one can't hold on to a job, that one is important to God. Whether that one is kind of popular within society or that one is a minority, that one is important to God. And you as one are important and valuable to God and don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise, you are loved cared for and when friends betray you and your family turns their back on you and when it seems like nobody's there for you feels like where's the church when i need it where's family when i need it where's the boss and work when i need i want to say to you you have a father who will never leave you nor forsake you if you have a relationship with god through his son jesus christ that is your hope there is value in one there's value in you Not only do we see the value in one, but in this passage, I want you to see, second of all, a vision for one. A vision for one. You say, what do you mean? Verse 12, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them go astray... Doth he not leave the 99 and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? You see, he began to count. He realized, oh, they're not all there. I'm missing one. Some might say, oh, it's just one. Oh, it's a nobody. Oh, they're worthless. No, but this this shepherd said, no, the 99 are good. I've got to go find the one. I've got to pursue the one. He got a vision. He got a burden. He got a passion for one. He wanted to save one. He got a vision for one. I'm so thankful. One of the great things about having been here for so many years as a pastor is to get to see story after story after story of people in our church who just get a burden for, for an individual, who get a passion for just one. I'm earlier this year being able to disciple with Alfredo and Reina, And I know you guys were in Pastor Nick's small group being discipled. And it was super encouraging when you were just, I could just tell a fire was being lit in your heart just for the things of God and his word. And, and when God began to do a work in your heart, and one of the first things that began to happen is I remember you saying, you know what, I, I want to see God use me to reach somebody else. Remember then last August, when you invited your friends, Ricky and Adrina to church. Ricky, I remember when you stepped out at the end of the prayer and reflection time and wanted to know how you could have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I remember we were going over the offices, we bowed our heads. I think for the very first time, like, you prayed. <laughs> Put your faith and trust in God. That was awesome. See what God did in your guys' life. Why? Afraid and I said, no, this thing's not to be kept to ourselves. I've got to find one. They got a vision for one. They got a burden for one. They got a passion for one. And Rick and Adrena got saved. They, they started getting discipled. All of a sudden they started getting a burden and a passion and a burden for one. And, and then Adrena got her family and they, they've started coming to church. And now we've seen them for several weeks as they've come and, and they're just soaking in the word of God. Why? Because when you have been found, you want to be used to find. one of the marks of somebody who has been truly touched by God. I'm not talking about going through religion. I'm not talking about walking the walk or talking the talk. I'm talking about somebody whose heart has been stirred. I'm talking about somebody whose life has been changed. Somebody who's experiencing joy that they didn't experience before and experiencing love and compassion that they didn't have before and a peace that passes understanding. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about dotting the I's and crossing the T's and playing the religious game. I'm talking about somebody who's been touched by God that person can't keep it to themselves. There's something so real about it, something profound about that type of experience. It's not that you have to try to share it. You can't help but do it because it's real. And so now we see not just the value of one, but a vision for one. Proverbs chapter number 11 verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Notice this. He that winneth souls is wise. There is coming a day when this life, the physical part of your existence, is going to come to a close. The curtain on your physical reality will drop. Your heart will beat for the last time and you will take in that last breath of air. And in that moment, what is going to matter most to you is not how big of a house you lived in or what kind of cool cars you drive or how much money you had in a bank account. What's going to matter to you most in that moment is how did your life touch the life of someone else? Did your life matter to others? Did you make a difference? Did they get to experience the love of Christ because of your experience? Did you influence? Did you impact people for good? And when this all ends and your 70 or 80 or 90 years comes to a close, you're not gonna be talking about how high you climbed up the corporate ladder Or how much is in your 401k? You're going to want to know, did your life matter to someone else? Did you get a vision for one? We see in this passage the value of one, but the vision for one. Some of you might be familiar with Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a Christian who... Enrolled in the United States Army, he became a corporal, and he served as a combat medic with an infantry company in World War II. He was assigned to the 2nd Platoon, and in 1944, his platoon was sent on a very dangerous mission that became known as the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge. It was dangerous because the American troops had to make their way up a steep ridge At the top of the ridge, there was enemy fire that was coming at them, and they were to take that ground on the top of the ridge. So that day in 1944, Desmond Doss's platoon climbed the ridge. They began to storm the enemy encampment, but it was not a a good day for them. There were many, many casualties. They had to retreat quickly, and as they... Made their way back down, they realized that there were many dozens, if not hundreds, of wounded soldiers that had been left behind up on that ridge in enemy territory. So in the middle of the night, Desmond Doss, as a a medic, decided he would do the unthinkable. He thought maybe, just maybe, he could save one. And so in the middle of the night, he snuck up that ridge to see if somehow, some way, he could save one person who had been injured behind enemy lines. In his attempt to get one more, he kept praying that God would give him one other, and then one other, and then one other. And that night in 1944, Desmond Doss was able to save the lives of 75. American military men. Because he stayed focused on just getting one more. I want you to ask yourself this question. Who is it that God wants you to get a vision for in the year 2018? Yeah, it might seem like it's an impossible situation. Like that person's way too far gone. Like there's no hope for them. But who is it that the Spirit of God is laying on your heart to say, by God's grace, I want to be used to see one saved, to see one rescued? See, if each of us would just allow the Spirit of God to do a work in our life, we could make a profound impact in this community. But it's not going to be done because there's one pastor or a couple of leaders at the church that have a passion for an individual and I'm here to tell you I've said this many times before people give pastors way too much credit for what they can do I can reach one so can you I can't reach everybody and neither can you but if we each just simply get a passion and a burden and a vision for one we can make a difference in our world